Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and welcome you into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Chaz Price. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. Once again, that's 419-794-3030, online, ARHQ.com. My name is Chris Swan. Today on the show, are we in a new bull market or is it just a temporary bounce? We're going to talk about planning for disruptions in retirement and we'll revisit the question, when is the best time to claim Social Security? All this and more. But before we dive into any of it, so let me uh, check in with the guys. Nolan, glad to be with you as always. Chaz, welcome back. I feel like it's been a while. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Yeah, we're just talking about this being the first show back since the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And it was an awesome time. But like I was joking around, we had to come back to work because this vacation's expensive to all our listeners out there getting ready for retirement. You know, that's uh, it's a good and bad of it. So great to be back, though. Yeah. And so far, summer's going good. You know, we had our uh, client all-star event. So we took a cruise down the Maumee and uh, 68 people. And we went out to Lake Erie and got to enjoy the beautiful weather here in Northwest Ohio. And then uh, also we had uh, just this past week um, our summer barbecue. It was over at Hooves and uh, had some great speakers out there and got to see some of the incredible work uh, that we're doing here to help save our veterans and uh, what the program at Hooves is doing. So lots of fun things going mm-hmm. on, trying to enjoy the summer. Absolutely. Great time enjoying the summer, making the most of it, enjoying these memories. And, you know, in retirement, it is uh, a, a longer vacation or a longer summer. Every day is a summer. But, you know, as as uh, Chaz pointed out there, these things cost money. And so you want to make sure you've got a, a plan that can withstand whatever may come down the line, not necessarily the bad things as well, but also whatever the good things are that you plan for in retirement. And that's what we want to get you thinking about. We want to get you planning for it and once again, the website, ARHQ.com, if you have any questions, you want to start establishing that plan. So let's go ahead and dive in here. We've heard it said often here on the show that nobody should put all of their nest egg into an annuity. So the next question is, well, what's the right number? How much should somebody put in to provide a stream of reliable income and what could it cover? Cheryl Moore, she's an annuity advocate with Wincontel.com. Here's her thoughts on it. I would say the least amount that you should be considering putting into the annuity would be the amount that you need to cover all your expenses or that income floor that you have. That's a good rule of thumb to use as the minimum amount that you should put into an annuity. Guys, what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree? How much should somebody actually put into an annuity? Well, I think if you listen to what she had talked about there is you want to make sure that, number one, you calculate what your retirement income gap is. And uh, the gap is, is if you have your you know, basic monthly needs minus Social Security, uh, that could be what your gap is. And making sure that you fill that gap, um, if those listeners, if you're not sure what your income gap in retirement is going to be, give us a call. Uh, we can kind of walk you through some different ways to fill up what that gap is. When you look at it, you need to look at the three sources of income in retirement. So we're talking pension, Social Security, and other reliable income sources. So she, she talked a little bit about uh, annuities as an example, but uh, you could use uh, dividends and interest from uh, cash flow investments. You could use uh, the interest off of uh, safer investments like FDIC insured bank CDs. Those are the type of things that can 
uh, fill up that income gap. And I don't know about you, Chaz, but one of the things that I have noticed is when working with a lot of retirees, there's a, a couple of key characteristics to having a honeymoon that lasts forever, right? Mm -hmm. Having an enjoyable retirement. Uh, one is being debt-free, but also making sure that you have enough reliable income to cover all of your basic needs mm -hmm. and making sure that you fill that up. Because those people who need to rely upon uh, the stock market going up uh, oftentimes can get in a very stressful situation when you have like last year in 2022 when the market wasn't cooperative, it can lead to, to more stress. So filling up that gap can uh, help have more reliable income and can lead to less stress in retirement time. Yeah, I agree. And to me, the, the, the operative term there is reliable. And, you know, getting guaranteed income in retirement is so attractive today, particularly because there is so much volatility. You know, we talk about all the different risk factors, the market, the Fed tightening, um, you know, stock market crashes. There, there's just so much volatility that retirees are facing all at once that right now that I think an annuity and, and some type of some type of solution that's going to help guarantee a particular part of your retirement expense, particularly the basic expenses are going to be satisfied no matter what happens. And so I think that's why the annuities are, are such a vital tool that retirees should consider. Uh, for example, a 65-year-old woman uh, invests $100,000 today, could possibly expect to get around $500 per month. And that's about $5,628 per year. And so the question is, you know, how much of an annuity should you purchase? And you know, the, the, the payouts and, and some of the, the ways that we calculate the amount of income that you can get from an annuity, it's not based on your health or any life insurance underwriting or anything like that. It's based on prevailing interest rates at the time. And so that's a, a key takeaway I think our listeners should know is that if you're considering purchasing an annuity uh, for lifetime income and for those protective components, uh, now might be a great time to do so because we haven't seen interest rates as high as they are now in probably the last 20 years. Getting back to that strategy of how do you calculate how much of an annuity, you know, certainly we don't expect you to be experts at, at this. This is what we do. This is what we've been doing pretty much your entire uh, adult life. But you know, essentially what you want to do is in order to calculate the amount of the annuity, you want to take a look and separate your expenses from basic to discretionary. So the basic expenses being food, utilities, transportation, personal maintenance, clothing, things like that. Uh, calculate what they are on an annual basis. And then from that figure, subtract your annual Social Security and your pensions and other guaranteed sources of income that you have. Once you have that figure, then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to divide that figure by what's known as the annuitization rate. Um, it's a simply the annuitization rate is the payout that you're going to get from the insurance company as a percentage of the deposit that you have with them. Um, and again, it's based on your age and the prevailing rates at, at the time. So let's say, for, for example, your annual expenses are you know, $24,000 a year for basics, not travel and not hobbies. And you have Social Security of $1,500, or that's about $18,000 a year. The difference, Nolan, is about $6,000. If you divide by what we expect your annuitization rate to be, let's say if it's 6%, that's about $100,000. And so, you know, that's an oversimplification, of course, but 
it's not really rocket science either. Where the real acumen, I think the the advantage of work with with an advisor at retirement headquarters is is getting you the highest payout rates. And so, as an independent advisor with a fiduciary standard of practice, we have the ability to go out and search the hundreds and thousands of insurance companies in the world and find you the ones that have the best payouts, that have the highest financial strength. And then sometimes we can find policies that have certain features and benefits. We call them riders that can give you additional benefits, like maybe lumping together six months worth of income as a lump sum in case you run into an emergency or need some cash. Yeah, there are a lot of different features. And again, when you're looking at the three sources of income in retirement, the other thing I would say is a lot of the folks that I still run into that are close to uh, retirement time still have the option of a pension. So that can be another one of those reliable income sources. I met uh, a couple just recently, Bob and Jenny, we'll call them, and they were looking at the, the pension option. So they had the option where she could take it for her life only called a single life annuity payment. Uh, she could take a 100% survivorship option uh, in case she passed away first and her husband would continue to get the same income. Uh, they could take the income for her life with a period of certain number of years, uh, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, she had the ability to take a lump sum. And, you know, they came in because they weren't really sure what option to take a look at. One is they, they kind of were thinking about, well, why not take the lump sum? It's a big cash pile of money. Then I can take that money and do what I want with it. But when we did the math on it, the rate of return that they would have had to earn in another investment was almost double-digit returns. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it would be unrealistic for them to take that lump sum of money and assume that they're going to get double-digit type rate of returns. Right. The second scenario is I look at it and I think about a married couple in retirement time, their income is probably pretty important for both of them forever. And in the event that something happens to one of the two of the spouses, you know, the income needs don't drop in half. They're still relatively the same basic income needs that they have. Mm -hmm. If she would have taken the 100% survivorship option, her $2,600 a month payment option would have dropped by $600. So it would have been about a $600 a month reduction had she taken a 100% survivorship option to protect her husband. Now, the thing is, is we don't know how life will play out, right? I mean, her husband obviously could pass away first. And if that happened to be the case, it'd be like, shoot, we could have had, you know, that extra $7,200 a year that would have paid for a couple more vacations or, you know, whatever else they needed. In their situation, when we looked at it, they could take a 20-year period certain plus guaranteed for her lifetime. So that money would last for as long as she lived. Uh, he was 68, and 20 years from now, that would take him to age 88. Now, in addition to that, uh, that reduction was only $225 a month less, so uh, quite a bit more money in their pocket today versus the $600 reduction. And in addition to that, heaven forbid they both pass away within 20 years, they stand to have the a possibility to leave some money to like their kids. Because again, that 20 year period certainly means that money's going out somewhere. So again, when you're looking at uh, your sources of income and you're trying to figure out, you know, what are the ways to try to maximize the sources of income? Or if you haven't calculated your retirement income gap, that's exactly what we do. This may seem like it's a complicated situation, but it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you don't want to ask the guy at the water cooler what's the best approach with your money because what we're talking about is this money needs to be there and provide the most amount of income 
for the rest of your lifetime. And uh, what's right for the guy at the water cooler may not be right for you. And uh, your unique situation, you need to run the numbers. And give us a call. We would be happy to run that income gap analysis for you and help you figure out what could be your best approach. So here's the number you need to keep in mind, 419-794-3030. That's how you set up a time to speak with Nolan Chaz, the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, and figure out what your income gap uh, is and, and how to how to bridge that gap and, and what sources to use to make a retirement that's going to endure. 419-794-3030. You can also go online, schedule time there as well, arhq.com. Gentlemen, there was a survey from Charles Schwab that asked, what amount of money means that you're wealthy? The number came out to $2.2 million, but surprisingly, almost half of the people who had a net worth of $550,000, well, they consider themselves rich. Now, after COVID, people now place more importance on health and family. As a matter of fact, financial advisors are actually saying their clients aren't as interested in growing their wealth to one or $2 million. They just want to know if they have enough to quit work, if that's their inclination, and spend more time with family. So I have to ask, is this a trend that you're seeing? And uh, what are some other trends that you guys have seen, some other retirement trends uh, post-pandemic? Well, I, you know, I think with COVID and everybody getting locked up, spending time at home, it was a good time to get the board games back out yeah. and, you know, teach the kids how to play uh, Euchre and other fun games that we played around the house. But, you know, when, when I'm meeting with retirees and I'm talking with retirees, I think lifestyle is absolutely important. But I would say they still want to know what their number is and they want to know if they have enough and I think knowing your number is still very important to everyone. And I think a lot of people want to know what their number is. So if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, do I have enough and what does my number need to be? That's exactly why you need to look at our independent income calculator, because within the independent income calculator, what we can do is put your numbers in there and it'll tell you exactly what dollar amount that you need to have today to make it last for what could be your entire lifetime. I met a couple recently, I call them Dave and Jenny. And when I was meeting with Dave and Jenny, they were just getting ready to retire. I was looking at the statements that they brought in from their other financial firm. And I noticed in the risk tolerance profile, it had them listed as aggressive growth. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, wow, you're, you're close to retirement time here. Are you an aggressive growth type of investor? You know, we spend an hour kind of getting to know each other a little bit, talking about their goals and objectives. And they seemed like they had a pretty realistic expectation of what they wanted their retirement to look like. They wanted comfortable income. They wanted to, you know, spend some time traveling to go see their kids, watch some hockey games and have some fun. And, and you know, everything that they described to me would describe them not as an aggressive growth investor. And so, so my concern about that is, if and when the market had a major downturn and they saw some big declines in their portfolio, when they transitioned into retirement time and they started to pull money off of those accounts, they could negative compound the account. They could accelerate their risk of outliving their money, as well as the fact not only if that didn't happen, it's been my experience that when you have an investor in a portfolio that doesn't match up with who they are, those are the type of investors who don't have a good financial coach or somebody to kind of get them through the tough times. Those would be the type of people who abandon ship, you know, when the market's down, ultimately selling, locking in those losses, moving it to a portfolio that seems safer, but then missing out on the rebound. 
So by talking through, and we went through this independent income calculator, Chaz, that you put together, and that calculator showed that they actually had enough money. They had the dollar amount that they needed. From their perspective, because they had enough money, we were able to show them that they didn't have to be as aggressive as they needed to be. They could be a little bit more defensive, maybe be a little bit more moderate or conservative with their portfolio, put some strategies in place, that if and when the market had a major downturn, they didn't have to be down 30, 40, 50 percent like what the market happened to be. Yeah. And I would imagine that aggressive risk tolerance probably came as a result of some previous um, maybe a risk tolerance questionnaire that they took some years ago, certainly before the covid crisis that we all experienced. I mean, talking kind of about trends, I agree. I think covid did have a lot to do with. Uh, just kind of resetting and, and making people aware of really what their priorities are and, you know, where their pain points were. To your point that if I came into uh, to 2020 an aggressive investor, um, sure, I probably had a really good experience the previous 10 years because we were enjoying the greatest bull market in history. Mm -hmm. But going forward since then, I think it's, like I said, cause people to really reevaluate what's important to them. You know, just just thinking about losing 30 percent in 30 days. I'm sure they don't want to experience that anymore. So that's been a trend. I think if, if people have become a little bit more conscious, a little bit more aware of the risk in their portfolio and some of the things and what do they need to do in order to mitigate those risks going forward. We've also seen where, um, you know, COVID-19 has kind of caused a consumer discretionary um, boom, I guess, in spending, like you were saying, knowing people are finally able to get back out and do things. And uh, we saw where travel, I think I saw where TSA helped and, and saw more than 2.5 million people per day during the this 4th of July holiday. No, no wonder they're so grumpy. I mean, that's a lot of people <laughs> going through those. No disrespect. I mean, I love my TSA people, mm -hmm. but uh, that's just a lot of people to see. And so it, it's kind of getting people back to spending time with family and focusing on the difference, in my opinion, between being wealthy and being rich. Rich to me really involves just having a big sum of money. Uh, but being wealthy is more of a mindset. You know, how am I going to accomplish the goals that I want to that I want to do? What, how am I going to spend time and visit family? And how am I going to do the hobbies and, and benefit the children the way that I want to do? It's through income. And so we've seen this paradigm shift of just accumulating assets. The market only goes up to now. How do we actually live in retirement? Where are we going to get the reliable sources of income from? And, you know, what do we need to do to decrease volatility in our investments? I think that has been definitely one of the bigger trends that I've seen. Um, and then I, th I think just that traditional approach to set it and forget it. Maybe, you know, a lot of people that have traditionally done their own investments just did the 60-40 portfolio buy and hold. That's really no longer an option, especially last year, seeing uh, the market for bonds decimated. We're looking at, uh, we're seeing more, I'm seeing more people want to do actual financial planning. They want to see how it all fits together and how, what is their lifestyle going to be? Not necessarily how much money do they need to have because it doesn't mean what it used to, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the other good trends when you mentioned more people wanting to do financial planning, I know one of the things that I've noticed in meetings that we've done together is you, you go on the flip end of the scale. So, you know, sometimes you have people that'll come into the uh, office and we'll look at their portfolio and they're, and they're really conservative in what their approach is. 
And when you go through the financial plan and you stress test the numbers, mm -hmm. by being that conservative, it actually still shows that they have a high risk of outliving their money by being too conservative uh, and adjusting what that risk tolerance is to kind of get it to match up to give them the highest odds to be able to achieve the outcomes that they're looking for mm -hmm. uh, is why it's so important. Yeah. You know, other trends I think that we see uh, with the retirement space is people have decided to kind of work longer. You know, many people uh, think the traditional retirement age is 65, but some people, you know, tend to have improved health. They want to to be more engaged and involved and continue to provide back and keep working longer. Or they were forced to have to work a little bit longer because of the market's pullback recently. Yeah, true. And, you know, and then some of the people go through like a, a phase retirement. So, you know, gradually going from a full time to maybe taking Mondays and Fridays off, working three days a week instead of, you know, just stopping work abruptly, phasing out that retirement. Uh, as we just talked about lifestyle focused retirement, you know, shifting towards a more holistic uh, approach that goes beyond just the financial numbers, uh, focusing on factors such as health, wellness, leisure, uh, social connections, personal fulfillment and their retirement plans. And this approach really kind of recognizes it. And that's the approach that we typically take, you know, when we're working with our clients, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, financial literacy, uh, whether it's tuning into this show, uh, listening to uh, previous podcasts that we have or our YouTube channel or coming out to one of our university classes or our educational events. You know, we see people really wanting to be involved in understanding uh, how the process works. I know that's one of the big questions that we ask people when they come into the office is, you know, can you explain to me the current process being used to pick out the investments? And, you know, if they don't understand that, that's part of that process that they want to go through in understanding the methodology of what's being used uh, by their financial firm. And doing so, I think, helps them uh, become less likely to make those knee-jerk decisions mm -hmm. to make a change at the wrong time when they have better financial literacy. And the last one is they want a little bit of flexibility in retirement options, you know, having it more customizable, seeking flexible options that align with their unique preferences and circumstances and, you know, looking at alternatives to full-time retirement, uh, maybe the phased part-time work. So a lot of different choices, again, when you're looking at some of the new trends in retirement time and, and kind of putting it all together. So again, the bottom line is if you're looking for your flexibility uh, and you want to know what is the number I need to retire on my terms, uh, give us a call. We can put your information in our independent income system calculator, and we can help answer that question of what is your number. Figuring out what your number is, figuring out how to make your retirement dreams into a retirement reality starts with that phone call because at the end of the day, what is most important in your retirement is your number and how it's going to work for you. 419-794-3030 is how you set up a time to speak with them and, and start putting that, that pen to paper and start taking those steps. 419-794-3030. You can also go online, arhq.com. As Nolan mentioned there, you know, you can check out previous editions of the show via podcast, via YouTube. Just go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume your media. Go to YouTube, search for America's Retirement Headquarters uh, and all the previous episodes there for you to check out at your leisure. So here's a question. Where are people relocating for retirement? A new report shows that seniors are moving out of expensive northeastern cities to cheaper, more tax-friendly parts of the country. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and pose this question to you guys, and obviously there's a little bit of bias in all of our parts, but what makes Toledo attractive for retirees? Well, you know, born and raised here in northwest Ohio, I think uh, we've got a lot of great things 
when people think about what makes Northwest Ohio an attractive retirement area, uh, first of all, cost of living. You know, I travel a lot for work. And, you know, if you go down to, uh, say, Florida and you look at the, the cost of housing compared to what we have here or in some of those uh, other cities like the big cities at New York and what cost of living is, we've got great cost of living here. Uh, secondarily, events. You know, if you look at uh, the Huntington Center, if you look at the Toledo Mud Hens, if you look at, you know, the Toledo Zoo, if you look at our metro parks, we have just, you know, wonderful events that are always going on, you know, within uh, Northwest Ohio, whatever time of the year is, you know, even in wintertime, going into our uh, Toledo Museum of Art, enjoying the different uh, glass blowing activities or the things that they have going on uh, out there. Uh, this time of year, I'm a big boater. So in, in summertime, we've got a couple of nice months where you can go down and go on the Maumee and enjoy some of the weather out there, boat around for a couple hours, uh, maybe go catch some walleye or perch. Cruise out to Lake Erie. Um, Putin Bay. If you wanted to get away for the weekend, you've got Putin Bay. I know they have uh, Luke Bryan coming up uh, for the summer concert series out there. My son's a, a big fan of Luke Bryan. He, he'd uh, love to go see him in concert and uh, those type of activities as well. It's really, it's kind of the, the perfect uh, place for somebody who wants the four seasons as well. You know, you, you can have all the weather uh, if you like to have a little bit of snow and, you know, some people choose to take off for a couple of months and uh, get away and be snowbirds and in, in, in that time of year. And the last thing I'd say is right here in Toledo, Ohio, to me, it's really nice because you can go a couple of hours north, uh, whether you want to go to like uh, sand dunes or Silver Lake. You've got uh, great camping places up north. Uh, you could go a couple of hours west and get into Amish Village if you want to, you know, get in slower pace. Or you could go over towards Cleveland. They've got the Rock and Roll Hall Museum, uh, Chinatown, and uh, all the excellent food. Or if you go south, you know, you can go down and go to Hocking Hills area. Uh, you can go down to Columbus and catch maybe a NHL game or some big sporting event, see another venue. Uh, there's just, to me... Uh, Northwest Ohio is really an attractive retirement area. It's home of the retirement guys. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said uh, that it's home of the retirement guys because I was definitely going to, Chaz. We kind of joked <laughs> about it you. beforehand. You did, but, but that's quite all right. Uh, you know, let them put their, their decades and decades of, of experience, combined experience, to, to help you uh, make your retirement dreams into a retirement reality. Real easy to get in touch with, 419-794-3030, or you can go to the website as well, arhq.com. I think a lot of the listeners out there, a lot of people that are still working, they've got 401ks. And the people at Vanguard looked at how more than 500,000 retirees use their tax-deferred accounts like 401ks over a 10-year period. Here's what they found. 70% of retirees, they leave their money in 401ks and IRAs and take the money as needed. 30% uh, cashed out their employer plans within five years using the money for emergencies and other needs. Obviously, two very different uh, approaches there. What are the pros and cons of each of these strategies? Well, Chaz, I think when we were talking about this and, you know, our combined 50 years of experience, I have yet to think of a time that I've told somebody it's a good idea yeah. to just cash out their 401k. I struggled with that one, too. Yeah, it really was. So, you know, if you're listening and you're considering cashing out your 401k, please, before you do this, make sure you talk with uh, a financial and tax professional 
and know what your other options are. Um, there's so many things that could mean that it's not in your best interest. And, and the study that Vanguard did is 500,000 people, and 30% of those are cashing out within five years for emergency. So you have to wonder, what is that emergency? Um, you know, I can think in, in the past, I had a couple that had come in and uh, they decided to cash out their retirement account because their child was going through a divorce and they wanted to pay the attorney, you know, to help with the divorce situation. And I thought, wow, you know, that's really going to jeopardize your personal financial security by cashing out because your daughter was going through a divorce. Um, and they didn't really stop and think about it. Uh, and, and what the pain was going to be. The other time is, you know, um, you see people who are younger and, and not understand what the rules are. You know, if a 50-year-old cashes out their 401k, not only could they be subject to a 20% mandatory tax, uh, they also could be subject to a 10% early withdrawal penalty because they're not old enough uh, to be able to cash out their retirement account. I think of a third situation uh, where somebody wanted to be debt-free. So they decided to cash out their 401k and they wanted to pay off their house. Now, conceptually, I would agree with the concept. I mean, one of the characteristics, I think, of having a nice, stress-free retirement is having no debt. So on the surface, I like the concept of being debt-free. What happened was, in their situation, the problem was, by cashing out that 401k in the year that they were still working, all that income was combined together with their other work income, what it did is it boosted up their income. And then in addition to that, when they transitioned into Medicare, their income level was so high that their Medicare premiums doubled. So they ended up having a lot higher healthcare cost. The strategy in that situation could have been to gradually take some money out of the 401k over a series of years, again, keeping them within the tax bracket that they wanted to stay in, as well as trying to minimize the amount of health care expenses that they paid, uh, whether they retired before 65 under the Affordable Health Care Act or in excess premiums for Medicare if the, the cost gets high. But I would say, again, Chaz, it's been my experience that most of the time, cashing out a 401k or employer-sponsored plan for an emergency is a bad idea. What do you think? I probably, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, there's just so many negatives to, uh, I'll, I'll take the other side of the conversation as far as maybe just playing devil's advocate. I mean, if you do cash out the 401k, okay, you maintain complete control. You've, you've taken out any other um, aspect of, um, you know, the employer side of things, you, you, you've got control over what assets, investment options you want to use. I get that component. But really, to me, the, the complete control of that asset is it's not really what the 401k was designed to do. I mean, we put money into these things to basically uh, provide for our future, but also to delay taxes. And so by, by uh, taking a lump sum and completely cashing these investments out, you you completely um, avoid the main reason for doing it in the first place is you pay taxes all at once. The whole point of 401k was to delay paying taxes and defer as long as possible. The other disadvantage um, is loss of future income. So when you take the distribution and you put it into a checking account, what sort of interest are you going to earn on that? Now, maybe it's a little bit better, but still, I don't think bank accounts are paying a great amount of interest, certainly not what the market has done over the years. So not only do you you lose future income potential just in the fact that you're no longer invested, it's probably sitting in a checking somewhere, 
Um, but you run the risk of then in that reason depleting your funds of running out of money because your money's not growing over time. It's not keeping up with inflation. And, um, you know, that responsibility, that's a, that's a really, um, risky proposition for somebody that doesn't do this on a regular basis. You cash the 401k out. Now the responsibility for creating your retirement income is solely on your shoulders. You don't have any assistance from, again, the company, the 401k, and if a financial advisor that maybe has selected investments for you that could grow over time. I know there might be volatility there, but that's a really risky proposition. And um, you're taking the responsibility for your retirement solely on your shoulders with no help from the employer or any or an advisor that may have been assigned to the plan. And then behavioral risks. I think that's probably the biggest one that I see is that you're just when you when you have access and control to that much money, I think most people are tempted to just spend more. And so maybe um, having a little bit more well thought out plan would help you exercise a little bit more discipline. Like you said, Nolan, let's instead of completely cashing the 401k out, putting the money in your checking account and paying off your house, why don't we roll it over to an IRA completely tax um, free sort of situation where you're not paying any tax at that moment and then take out half now put a big chunk down and then take out the other half the, the next year as soon as january 2024 rolls around that way you split your tax burden up over time so you know ultimately i think the decision to cash out your 401k i don't want to always use the blanket statement to say you never want to do something you know i think it does come down a lot to some some personal factors in the situation and why you're doing it the amount your risk tolerance um, but you definitely the, the main takeaway here is if you're considering doing this, which we do have some clients that have and came in, uh, we were able to save them actually and, and, you know, come up with a different plan. But if you are considering taking a lump sum, cashing out your 401k, please get some advice from a, a, a tax professional or an advisor before you do that, because there can be some irreparable uh, conse consequences and drawbacks. It's definitely one of those measure twice, cut one situations. Actually, more often than not, measure twice, don't cut at all situations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sitting down and speaking with professionals like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, what is the purpose? What is motivating you to make this withdrawal and then figure out if there is an alternative way to do that that is not going to uh, cause further problems down the line? That starts with that phone call, the phone number 419-794-3030, the website arhq.com. Do you hate to fill out the paperwork in your physician's waiting room? So does comedian Nate Bargatze. I like my doctor. The one thing that drives me crazy, every time I go, I have to fill the same form out. And I'm like, what are y'all doing with this form? <laughs> they always ask what your family medical history is. Well, where am I finding that out? <laughs> you think I'm just at home at Christmas? I'm like, all right, who's got diabetes? <laughs> Come on now, got a physical coming up. How many heart attacks we got in the room? Now, family history is just one factor when it comes to calculating longevity risk, which is an interesting concept in and of itself. Let's talk about what that is, how you calculate it, and why it's so important. Well, I think Nate was spot on. That was pretty comical there. And, and I could certainly relate to him when going to the physician's office and had to fill that information out. You know, when you look at longevity risk, it really is the biggest risk and the biggest fear for a retiree, and that quite frankly means outliving your income. And so 
if that's a worry that you have, I think the number one thing to do is stress test your portfolio against longevity risk. Um, you know, when we look at it, there's a lot of risk in retirement, right? So there's the risk of what if the market collapses, the risk of what if tax rates double, uh, the risk of having a health care crisis, the risk of Social Security failing. And longevity risk is one more of those risks that are out there. Chaz, one of the things that I see you do a lot in the meetings is you'll stress test people's portfolios and it'll show the probability of success. So it's running, you know, a couple thousand different scenarios looking at those areas. And one of those tabs is longevity risk. And what it'll do is it'll show, you know, what the probability of success is if somebody lives instead of the age 90 to 95 or 100. And when you see a big drop in that number, the, the good thing is, is there's things that people can do about it. So once you know what the risks are that you're facing and if longevity risk is one of those risks that you face, uh, there are then certain type of investments that can help with offsetting that. Uh, there's ways that you can reduce that longevity risk. You know, things like maybe not taking Social Security early. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, nobody in my family lived past the mid-70s, so I better get it while I can. Well, the reality is, is what if you do live past your mid-70s? What if mm -hmm. you live to, you know, your mid-80s? So when we're looking at Social Security advice, I'm typically betting on you living a long time. I'm looking at making sure that you get uh, what I hope to be the most amount of lifetime income. You know, it could be things like choosing the correct pension option, uh, living off your interest income and avoid spending the principal. And then, you know, you could also supplement it with annuity income and having and reposition a portion of your risky assets into something that provides more predictability are all different types of things that when we're looking at calculating longevity risk, uh, the things that are important to me uh, when I do the analysis. Yeah, I agree. The, the stress test, I love doing that because it provides a client with um, a measure of um, peace of mind, knowing that they have financial security in the event that they, you know, live five to 10 years longer. And by planning for a longer lifespan, you know, what we're ultimately trying to do is we're, we're just, you know, ultimately reducing the risk of running out of money, which like you said, that's one of the major concerns, probably the, the number one concern that most every, um, every person, every potential retiree has, you know, there's a couple other considerations for long-term care or for uh, longevity risk planning as well. One being planning for long-term care. So, you know, the longer you live, the higher the possibility of needing some long-term care services, such as, you know, assisted living or nursing homes or in-home care. So that's something that we need to build into your plan as a, as a potential cash flow and you know again the longer you live the higher the chances that you might even need something with a more uh you know chronic illness a daily activities uh, of living um sort of care where maybe it's just you have somebody come into the home uh, doesn't always necessarily have to be a full-on nursing home stay but some of these chronic issues can actually be more expensive in some cases because they're just longer in duration versus a, a, a critical illness um, where you're in a nursing facility for a period of time and then God forbid you pass away. So those are some considerations. Also legacy planning. So when you're considering you living longer, that may mean less money for your beneficiaries. So we help our clients to determine what that actually means. Um, should we look at you know some other sort of investment option where we can provide 
uh, some benefit your, your children, your beneficiaries, uh, churches, charities, some of the, the causes that you're passionate about? Does that matter to you? Or, you know, we've had clients in the past to say, I hope my last check bounces. You know, I, I don't have any legacy goals or maybe you don't have any children. So those are that that is also a consideration when you're looking at long longevity risk is what is the implications of health care, long term care needs, living well into my 80s, 90s, maybe even into 100. What does that do to my legacy plan? Um, am I going to have money available for bequests, uh, charitable giving? Do we look? Do we need to look at setting up trusts or maybe irrevocable trusts and things like that with the help of an attorney? Um, and then just in general, like you said, the bigger one I think is lifestyle consideration. So longevity planning, when we do that stress test analysis, it allows us to consider the type of lifestyle that you desire and the one that's probable, I guess, in certain circumstances. So. Uh, generally, generally will design a financial plan, which is the way that you describe how you things want, how you want things to happen. But sometimes things don't go the way you want them to happen. And so we can test that scenario, the potential of that happening, and then see what would be required in order for you to have still a comfortable retirement, to be able to engage in the activities that you want to, to a certain extent, maintain a certain standard of living, but still make sure that you understand the risk of longevity and that you've estimated the financial consequences of uh, and the support that you would you would likely need in that sort of situation. Yeah. So again, looking at the longevity risk, and it is important. It's something you know we want to take into consideration with your plan. And the number one thing that we can do is if your fear or concern is. Uh, worrying about outliving your income, let us stress test your plan. Let us uh, punch those numbers in there and we can find out how longevity risk might impact uh, the outcome of your plan. And then from there, what we can do is uh, provide some advice and guidance on how to try to reduce and or eliminate that risk for you. I don't know when it happened, but at some point, the fear of death got uh, replaced by the, the, honestly, it's the fear of life, the fear of living too long and not having the the means to do it. And, and that is a valid concern because as we talked about countless times throughout the show, life can be expensive. So you want to make sure that you can uh, cover that and still maintain the same sort of lifestyle. If you have a plan in place, you can tackle this. You can take on and address the uh, the longevity risk and hopefully uh, lay those concerns to bed. The best way to start, honestly, a phone call to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. Suppose it doesn't have to be a phone call if you prefer you can also go to the website, ARHQ.com. Now, as we've talked about many times here on the show, and I'm sure all the listeners have experienced, life has a funny way of, of throwing us curveballs. A recent survey about Edward Jones found that about half of today's retirees have encountered disruptions they weren't planning for, and one of them is the sudden need to quit the workforce due to health issues, job loss, family responsibilities, whatever the reason. How do you factor unexpected retirement into a financial plan? You know, I really like this topic, Chris. I think it's something that we talked briefly about on a past show when Scott and I were discussing, you know, one of the major factors that somebody gets forced into early retirement is because of a healthcare related, you know, crisis, either for themselves personally or, you know, maybe for a spouse. And so they were thinking uh, the plan looked good. They were going to retire and maybe five years later, but all of a sudden now they're at this situation that's like, oh, so if you're listening to the show, maybe you've done some planning, maybe you have a solid plan in place, maybe you know exactly when you want to retire, but if you haven't looked at what does it look like 
if something disrupts what those plans are, I would highly encourage you to have us run a Monte Carlo analysis for you. And what we can do is we can move the needle. So if your retirement age, your goal was, say, age 65, uh, let's just move the needle and let's see what it looks like if it happens to turn out to be uh, 58 or what happens if it's 60 or 62. And then from there, what it allows you to do is start to have a game plan in place that, you know, heaven forbid there's an economic downturn or something happens, you know what the decisions are that you're going to make ahead of time, as well as you know what the probability of success is. You know, one of the things that I would tell people is for those folks that are, you know, within five years of retirement time, to me, I think it's important to keep three to five years worth of income needs in non-market risk investments. If you think about it, you know, one of the reasons that this disruption could happen is an unexpected economic downturn. And, you know, in an economic downturn, that might be the reason why the company has to let you go when they're cutting the workforce. And what it also might mean is if the economy's in the downturn, it most likely means the market's in the downturn. So here you are in a situation, you lost your job unexpectedly, the market's in the tanks, and you need money to live off of. Now you're in a terrible situation if you're forced to sell off your investments at a loss. That's why for those folks that are, again, within you know five years of retirement time, they have three to five years worth of income. Heck, that advice is good advice, I think, at any age. I would even tell mm -hmm. my 20-year-old son to have at least six months' worth of living expenses saved up. So if he has some type of disruption in his job, he doesn't have to call dear old dad and say, hey, dad, can you bail me out and pay my mortgage or my car payment and my expenses? You know, have that in place. The other thing that we have talked a lot about on this show is to avoid the crisis situation is work towards becoming debt-free. You know, if you can be debt-free, you can really be kind of in control of your overall uh, financial situation. Much better option, uh, I think, by being debt-free. A couple of pointers that I would give. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you, you hit a lot of them on the head. The one thing that I would think that uh, would benefit our, our clients and potential retirees is frequent checkups with your financial advisor. That just, that comes to mind because that's really uh, what we do almost every time we meet with our clients, what's generally, at least on an annual basis, generally two to three times a year, we're doing those, we're having those conversations, we're stress testing their portfolio for those uh, situations that are unexpected. In fact, that's probably the most important reason why you have a financial plan is not to just detail out all of the income and expenses and, and say, okay, now we're done. No, the actual value from having a financial plan comes into um, being able to, on the fly, within minutes, assess the probability of something like an unexpected illness happening. So the biggest takeaway, I think, is having frequent communication with a financial advisor, checking in to see on a regular basis how you're doing, how are you feeling, how is work, are things becoming um, to a point where you just can't take it anymore and we might need to start adjusting the financial plan to show you retiring a little earlier. I've had that situation. We, I have, I'm fortunate enough to work with um, a, a lot of first responders. I have a lot of um, GM and or um, automotive workers and people that are on their feet a lot, jumping in and out of uh, trucks and, and just, you know, have worked their whole life. And 
working longer is not an option. And, and sometimes in those careers, your body starts to deteriorate a little bit. And so having those conversations is important because I'm able to gauge how close we are to retirement. I had a client that just came in or she frequently comes in and says, I can't take anymore. I'm ready to retire. Uh, what do I need to do? And so we've got a contingency plan if she has to retire next year, the following year, or maybe five years. Uh, so, so we've got those plans in place. I think also it's important to, to kind of offset the risk of an unexpected, um, uh, unexpected retirement is making sure, again, you have the appropriate types of insurances in place. Kind of depends on what causes you to have to retire early. Is it an extended care or a long-term care, uh, medical illness or health care, something like that, where maybe a disability policy, if we had that in place in advance, for, especially for our younger listeners, that might help to kind of buy you some time to recover and maybe get back into the workforce? Or is it something more debilitating, more chronic, where you know we're in a long-term care situation where we need some income coming in and we're forced to start hitting some of our retirement accounts uh, prematurely? So again, it, there's a, a number of things that could happen that would cause our clients to have to consider unexpected retirement. The biggest takeaway that I have is frequently meeting with advisors and getting a consultation about what it looks like if that happens so that the earlier we know, the more plans we can make and to make sure that the impact is is less severe. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big number when you look at it. Again, that recent survey found that about 48% of today's retirees have encountered disruptions that they weren't planning for. So that's a pretty big number. And, you know, what I have seen is a lot of times those folks uh, come into our office and they, they want to know, do I have enough? Am I okay? I really haven't put much thought into this, but unfortunately, you know, I, I just lost my job. Or as you talk about, you know, they maybe have some health challenges that have put them in a situation where, you know, they just can't, you know, continue to go on for another three or five or 10 years uh, doing the same thing that they're doing. That's what I would tell you. If Even if life is good right now, if you're your thought process is your retirement is less than 10 years away and you haven't looked at a plan, I'd say come in, we'll sit down, we can run the Monte Carlo analysis for you. We can show you what your plan looks like if everything continues on exactly the way that you want it to and you make it to that retirement age that you always thought of, but we can also move the needle and show you, you know, how to get prepared ahead of time if heaven forbid something happens unexpectedly that's exactly what we do and then we can give you some strategies to give you better peace of mind to know that uh, you're prepared and ready to go i think i could speak on behalf of of nolan and Chaz and, and probably the entire team at america's retirement headquarters we genuinely hope each and every listener and viewer out there they get to work exactly as long as they want to truly but, but the reality is well we know that's not going to be the case 48 percent it was right there in the, the survey maybe it's health uh, yours or another loved one's, maybe it's budget cuts, maybe it's the other way around and you have to work longer. It is important as you get into that retirement red zone, you know, five years out, 10 years out, that you have, as Chaz and Nolan have said here, uh, you have that contingency plan, the, the just-in-case thing that hopefully you never have to use, but if that situation is is put upon you, you'll feel much better for it. Get started. Start putting that, that plan in place, 419-794-3030, or go to the website, ARHQ.com. And as I said at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to say it again because really do mean it, we appreciate you joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, uh, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Please have a great week ahead of you. Uh, be safe out there. Try and stay cool if you can. Uh, guys, as always, grateful for the time. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. 
Yeah, great to be here uh, with Indiana Jones. It's the new movie's out. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I thought today ended on a quote from Indiana Jones. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Have a great week. We'll see you all same time, same channel right here on Toledo's largest talk station, 1370 WSPD. We are America's retirement headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.